Hey, welcome to a new week and a new episode. I'm Jenna, the host of Hey Jen, and you are listening to episode three, the one where we talk about habits. Welcome. Today's topic was actually requested by a friend who wanted to learn more about habits and my personal approach to breaking, forming, and committing to new habits, which by the way, thank you for the idea. Assuming that you have all gotten into the rhythm of school or maybe work if you had a September start, things are about to ramp up, no doubt about that. Assignments and readings are probably showing up on your calendar now or maybe at work, you are starting to receive an inflow of meeting invitations, requests, and your goal of reading every day, exercising, or maybe meditation and gratitude journaling are starting to be put off. With your bigger commitments in play, those goals are becoming less and less of a priority and more of an if I have time, then I do it type of thing. And before you know it, you hit a point where you don't touch it or think about it for the remainder of the year until the next year. And then you're like, how what? Oh, right. My New Year's resolution that I ended up breaking as per usual. Right now, it's September 2020. Let's not do that and instead see how you can get your habit to stick and actually be proud that you made your resolution happen and that you were able to achieve what you set your mind to. Okay, but firstly, why is change so hard? Change is difficult because it's uncomfortable. If you find change to be a breeze, then you are a champ and please drop your secrets because I would love to know. But in all seriousness, there are multiple factors to it. The first one is that we have the tendency to wait until we're ready to make sure that everything is lined up and ready to go before we take that next step of making that change happen. What this does is that it keeps you in your comfort zone. The number of times that you said, I'm not ready yet, actually creates roadblocks that corner you in and prevent you from leaving your comfort zone. Some of those might sound like, I wasn't good at English in high school or maybe even university and therefore I'm not ready to write a blog yet. Or I haven't gone through any basic cooking fundamentals yet and I have to watch every single one of them and learn how to pair all sorts of flavors and all sorts of aromatics together. Then I will start cooking. Play that back if you need to. The issue with waiting until you're ready is that the more you wait, the more you stall and the less likely that it is even going to happen. There's this quote by Lemony Snicket that I really like, and it goes, if we wait until we're ready, then we'll be waiting for the rest of our lives. When will you actually be ready? You won't, because you will keep on throwing another step in front of yourself on top of facing changing variables, changing circumstances in life. You're being trapped in this perpetual state of having an endless number of things that you must do before you can say that you are ready with full confidence. The second thing is because of the human brain. The reason why you will notice that change isn't linear is because you are suddenly changing courses. You're no longer following the deeply ingrained habit that your mind and body have gotten used to, and your basal ganglia, which is the part of your brain that works to develop habits and turn something into routine behavior, notices that you suddenly are not doing something that you used to do, and so you're getting signals that something is off, which makes you feel uncomfortable with change initially, or it just makes you feel some odd type of way. Therefore, your mind must be retrained to reflect the new circumstances, and that means breaking your old habits and 
making a new course of action, the standard, and the routine moving forward. I'll be talking about this in two parts. The first part is how I break bad habits, and the second part is how I get newly formed habits to stick for the long term. The first thing that I do is to identify what the bad habit is, catch it, and then make it known to myself that I am doing it again to call myself out. And what this does is that it pushes you to be aware of what you're doing and it forces you to keep track of how frequent it is. Is it a periodic thing that happens once in a while or is it something that you've always done? Because that will allow you to determine what you need to do in order to cut that habit. A common one that I've noticed actually is leg shaking. Coming from an Asian household, this is kind of like an if you know, you know kind of thing. Leg shaking is that one thing that Asian parents have always disapproved of and made it super clear that they disapproved of it. Because when you do that, there's the superstition that you are shaking all of your luck and wealth away, apparently. But Asian parents and superstitions aside, restless leg habits get distracting over time for sure. So whenever you catch yourself shaking your leg, biting your nails, or whatever bad habit you have, make note of it. And then the moment you do it, assuming that you are alone, straight up say stop out loud and refrain from doing it for as long as you can. And then when it comes again, do the same thing and tell yourself to stop. And what you're doing here is that you are associating this habit to something negative, which informs you that you are doing something unfavorable every time you do it. And the second thing is to avoid marinating in your feelings. Whenever feelings get involved, you think about how the change will make you feel how bad it must feel and then you start feeling bad for yourself you see the more you think about it the harder it will be to break that habit because emotions are involved and more strings are attached that way i personally find it effective to shut off any feelings that i have and instead of responding with thoughts of this is going to be so hard or i am going to struggle with this i would respond with okay i'm doing it and then proceed to do it. Maybe the habit that you're trying to get rid of is hitting the snooze button. You've set out the goal of waking up at a set time, but it never happened because you kept on hitting snooze to get that extra 30 minutes of sleep, which subsequently turned into an hour. And instead of thinking about how tired you are at that moment and how much you just wanna go back to sleep, think, or if it better suits you in the morning, straight up say out loud, okay, I'm doing it, or it is time and get out of bed and onto the floor. Then shut your alarm off after both feet are on the floor and you are standing upright. Do this every day, telling yourself, I'm doing it, I will do it, or it is time, until getting up the moment that you hear the alarm becomes the new habit. And the third and alternative method is to break it gradually if something can't be broken in one go. Okay, for this one, I am honestly speaking for myself here because I have a YouTube addiction where I watch all sorts of videos. Like on some days, it's cooking videos. Another day, it's pulling up a lot of old music videos or maybe covers that aren't on Spotify. And then on other days, it's watching Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, and then other videos where Gordon Ramsay yells. And for this, quitting cold turkey is a bit difficult and a bit extreme in my opinion, because I personally think that video streaming itself isn't unhealthy, but an excessive amount of time devoted to doing that 
is something that I've been doing lately since school is now in full swing and I have extracurriculars and other commitments to deal with is capping my intake at a certain number of videos per day or at least designating a window of time that I will let myself go on YouTube. So right now I let myself watch one video when I'm eating lunch, dinner, or maybe after studying and before bed. I found this to be very helpful because instead of letting myself navigate to another tab and falling down the YouTube rabbit hole where I can't stop watching videos, it becomes something that I can look forward to doing at certain times of the day. And let's say when exams roll around, it'll be much easier for you to quit YouTube or Netflix or Disney Plus for a certain period of time to just study and do what you need to do instead of constantly catching yourself making time to watch videos and neglecting your priorities. By doing this, you are establishing discipline for yourself and you are also keeping your desires and habits under control so that it is easier to get rid of them when the time is needed. The last strategy in breaking habits that I use is to think about the ideal state and the good side. Whenever I'm trying to keep a newly formed habit or when I'm trying to form one, I like to think about the good side of making that change. You know, what benefit am I going to reap from making and maintaining that change? An important point that I want to bring up here is to think of it as the road to freedom instead of an obligation that you have to deal with. Think about breaking your habits like you're breaking the chains that once held you back. You know, the chains that never let you move beyond your comfort zone and it never let you outgrow your old self and your old ways, the chains that have restricted you and capped your potential for the longest time. But by breaking that chain, I am freeing myself. I am making it known to myself that I am capable of so much more and I need to move in order to get there. I'm leaving my old ways behind and I am moving towards something better. And it may not feel good initially, but I am willing to embrace discomfort in order to become a better version of myself. Getting up early in the morning will be hard the first few days, especially when it's November, it's cold and it's dark out. But by breaking these chains, I am giving myself two more hours to spend in the day. I've always wanted to get into a habit of reading, working out, starting a blog, whatever it is. So I will devote those two hours that I have freed up in the morning to work towards those goals. I find that this way of thinking is actually really powerful because it gives me something to look forward to. I call this one focusing on the summit and not on the climb. If you're constantly thinking about what you have to do and what you have to give up in order to make something happen, then it will be hard to carry on. But if your mind is fixated on what is possible when you reach the top and what awaits you at the top, then you will be committed maybe even reaching that goal and reaching the top before you know it. Okay, now that we've talked about the strategies that I use to break bad habits, let's dive into how I get my habits to stick. I personally find that this is the most difficult part as it's easy to start something, but then carrying through with it and being consistent the whole time, even on the tough days is what makes it so difficult. But instead of scaring myself into submission or thinking of everything that's bad that's going to happen to me if I don't do it, I try to cultivate a sense of want instead. Because if you know me, then I'm not a fan of scaring or threatening myself since life is hard already. Why make it harder and instill fear in yourself? One way that I go about it is to adopt a reward mentality. With the reward mentality, you think in terms of if-then. 
If I work out today, then I will have more stamina and be more awake. If I go on Duolingo and learn a lesson a day, then I will be able to better express myself and build a stronger relationship with my loved ones. I call this one the benefit as a reward method because you think of the benefit that you can get from it. And if you repeatedly do it, you will achieve your ideal state or you can get close to it. If not, you are one step further away. And the other form of the reward mentality that I personally use is what I call the material as a reward method. You motivate yourself by having some activity or tangible thing to look forward to. Say that you are trying to kick the habit of being a last minute worker. Like I'm talking about the type of person who submits an assignment at 11.58 and 59 seconds when the deadline is 11.59. Or maybe someone who pulls all-nighters a little too much. Like I'm honestly shitting myself here because that used to be me and for all the university freshmen out there, all-nighters are bad for your health, just saying. So in that case, the material reward that you would put in front of yourself could be, I'll let myself go on a bubble tea or dessert run with my friends tonight if I finish writing and proofreading this assignment. Otherwise, I'm going to cancel or elect to not be a part of it. Now, the last part is the differentiator. Because I find that if you say, I'll go if I finish, then it kind of becomes an empty promise to yourself because so what? It's ideal if I do, but what if I don't? Will I just go anyways and make sure I don't repeat the same mistake next time? But by having that last part in, what you're saying is, if I don't deliver, then I will literally cancel or choose to opt out. If there's a girl's night or guy's night happening and I didn't deliver on what I said I would, then I am locking myself in my room and I'm going to finish delivering whatever it is I said I would do before enjoying the reward, which is being able to spend time and hang out with friends, hopefully with a mask on. This is very effective, I feel, because personally, I have found that by keeping myself accountable and by giving myself a set of conditions, by making it clear that yes, there is a reward, but then in the case that what needs to be done isn't done, then there will also be a consequence. Then I become more mindful as to the promises that I make, not just to myself, but also to others. Another strategy that I use is building a goal on top of another goal. I've used this mindset hack when I first started picking back up on my fitness journey. Especially when it came to fitness, I could come up with many, many reasons for why I could skip the gym that day. It went from, uh, the gym's a bit far, right? To, uh, it's very cold outside and I don't want to get into a cold car and drive to the gym. To a few months ago, well, what do you know? The pandemic is getting very serious and health officials have said that we should stay away from indoor gyms. So I am social distancing. Uh, the list can go on. But recently, I've been golfing a lot more and I I've been practicing with my dad to get better and to regain my skills. So I've made it my goal to work out more consistently on top of my goal to improve in golf. And this makes it a lot easier to work towards. What I'm doing is making working out an enabler that will allow me to golf better. For myself, the reason why I go through leg workouts and struggle through ab workouts, despite how much it hurts and how sore I get after, is because I want to be able to make powerful swings without losing my balance. I want to be able to twist enough when I make that swing and to do it in good form without 
feeling any excessive strain. And on top of that, I want to be able to maybe look good and feel good after a round of golfing rather than feeling like collapsing because I'm so tired. To make that happen, I will need to commit to working out regularly in order to build and strengthen muscles. And I'm not doing it to get approval or compliments, but I'm doing it for myself so I can be skillful at the sport to be fit and to take good care of my body when I am still young. Almost after thinking about it this way, I became more motivated and more excited to work out because I know that I'm working towards something that will make another thing happen. And lastly, this one is twofold. Knowing what's doable for the long term and implementing something that I call crash days. So you know at first when you are a few days into committing into a new habit, there's this super exciting phase where you are on fire, you are doing a lot you might be doing the max in order to make the habit stick faster or to expedite results as much as you can for example if you're getting into fitness you think that you're on your way to becoming a fitness influencer literally on day one so then you do two ab workouts back to back and then followed by a leg workout and then finishing it with an arm workout wow i already feel my muscles getting sore at the thought of that but at some point you realize that you are doing too much at once and you're asking too much from yourself especially at a time when school work and other activities and commitments that you have on your plate pile up and when they really ramp up and overall you have less free time in general keeping up consistently at that pace may not be doable in fact it may even stop altogether and require you to pick it back up sometime later which is even harder to do but If you figure out what is doable for you and your schedule and what you have to deal with, then it will be a lot more doable. But on the other hand, it will be a lot more doable if you had some days where you went harder and some days where you went a little lighter to balance it out. Or maybe even doing just 10 minutes every day, no more than that, and then fitting in another 10 minutes when you feel like you can keep it going consistently. But at some point, you realize that you are doing too much at once, especially at a time when school, work, and other activities and commitments that you have pile up and when they really ramp up and overall you have less free time in general, keeping up consistently at that pace may not be doable. In fact, it may even stop altogether and require you to pick it back up sometime later, which is even harder to do. But if you figure out what is doable for you and your schedule and what you have to deal with, then it will be a lot more doable. And by doing this, you are ensuring that not only are you being consistent in small bursts, but then you're also thinking about the long term so that when times get busy, you're not going to drop it all together because it requires too much effort. And the other part of it is allowing yourself to take what I call crash days. Things happen, moods change. You know, some days you're bouncing off the walls feeling like you can do anything in life. Other days you just feel very out of it and like you just want to curl up in a blanket and listen to the rainfall. I know that this can be a bit hard to accept with today's hustle culture and the belief that you must always be running at full speed in order to be successful and be on a constant grind to have a packed calendar and all of that. Taking time off or taking me time can seem like such a shameful thing to do because you feel like you're being lazy or uncommitted or straight up that person who steps out at a time when all hands need to be on deck. But the truth is, and something that we should normalize more, is that we all have a finite amount of energy to consume. Nobody can go at 100% all the time. 
you need to rest and recharge your energy in order to jump back into the rhythm and perform at your 100%. With crash days, what I do is that I give myself any two days of the week or any one day of the week to skip a workout, kind of like a rest day, if you will. But for the remaining days, I make it a rule that I will do a full workout and actually do the movements correctly and even compensate and do a bit more for the day or the days that I've taken off. And something that I want to clarify about these crash days or explain a bit more is that they're kind of like emergency blankets. You don't have to take them if you don't need them, but in the case that you do, there is no need to feel judged or shamed for it. Maybe I had a really bad day and I just need to be still and have some peace and quiet alone, or maybe I need to rush an assignment or something urgent and last minute came up. Then I'll take the crash day. By giving yourself the option of taking some time off, it actually lets you recharge and adapt to your shifting needs. But more importantly, it allows you to find purpose in habit creation as you stop and think about what you're doing and to develop consistency as you know why you are doing what you're doing and you're not just going through the motions and hating it all along. So make sure you are doing it to become a better you. And there we go. That brings us to the end of episode three. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in today. I hope you got some new insight from this. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend or a family member or anyone that you think is going to find it meaningful and valuable. The good news is that this podcast is now available on more platforms now. So there are more listening options available depending on whether you are a Spotify or a radio public person. As always, stay tuned on Instagram by following at the HeyGen podcast and let me know what you want to hear next. My DMs are open or you can use the Google form that can be found on my link tree, which is in my Instagram bio. And further down the road, I'm planning to feature guests on this podcast as well. So that's an exciting thing that's underway. Until next time, bye!